What is happening, my man, Mick? How are you, bro? I'm good, bro. I'm good. I'm so happy you said yes to doing this, mate, because uh, you're not just a fan favorite. You're one of my favorites. You know what I mean? Oh, stop. Hey, you don't have to lie to me just because we're on the pod. No, I'm joking. No, thank you. <laughs> As you can see, um, I'm still living in the great outdoors. Um, yeah, bro. It's, it's good to be back. I was going to say, bro, lockdown's treating you well. It's very good. It's it's been very good. The, the best part about this is there's no one on the beach, so it's just me, my tree, and the waves. That's beautiful, bro. That's beautiful. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Talk to Me, the show where I get my friends to talk to me. This week we have Michael Hanna. Now we saw him on Have a Chat with Ray and Stat a couple of weeks back. One of the funniest blokes you're ever gonna meet. Um, sure. one of the best blokes you're ever gonna meet, and um, a fan favorite, bro. Thanks again for jumping on. It's gonna be fun. Well, thank you for having me. So I can't, I can't wait to have a chat with Ray, but not Stat. Yeah, how'd you feel about have a chat with Ray and Stat? That was good. It was fun. Um, I still when I when I laughed at the <laughs> at the serious part of the podcast, it wasn't <laughs> too nice of me. But yeah, it was good. It was fun. It was good fun. Honestly, I wouldn't have expected much more from you though. Let's be honest. Yeah, true, true. Well, Mick, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Introduce yourself to the people who wouldn't know you. Who are you? What do you do? Well, I'm no one important. Um, so my name is Michael. I am 21. I basically grew up with you, Ray. Yes, yes. And um, yeah, I mean, I've just, I finished uni a couple of months ago and I work in foreign exchange. <laughs> That's about foreign. it. Foreign exchange. That's a very interesting place to be for a 21-year-old, bro. It's fun. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I, I've always wanted to um, get into the world of, like, markets and trading and that stuff. So I think this is a good segue for me to, to um, get there. Nice. And what, what pushed you in that direction, though? Um, I think I always had an interest for it. Like, since I was about 15 is when I just started, like like for example trading on like the share market game not real money because back then i had like two bucks a week for the canteen can't exactly pay for a share bro say what um, you will though two bucks at the canteen get you a lot of stuff two dollars a day was pretty crazy bro that's full on yeah you know what i had a mate that used to have um 10 bucks a day a which day. i thought was ridiculous yep a day and he used to go and buy the jelly cup tray normally you buy one or two jelly cups like the little jelly cups yep, yep, yep. he'd buy the whole tray you're kidding. What no. was your what was your go-to at the canteen though? Hmm. You got that two bucks. What are you spending it on? So five wicked fizz. Okay. Right? Solid. That's that's a dollar. That's a solid start. Yeah. And then if I want actual food, I can't because I only have a dollar, but it's worth the trade-off for the five wicked fizz because I'm a fatty. And then I would get like a fruit tingle, like the bar one. Really? Yeah. So I'd go straight for the um the little chocolate caramels. They cost like five cents oh, eight. Oh, five cents, bro. Where did, which school did you go to? Fantails, bro. They went from five to ten cents when I was there. Ridiculous inflation. So, yeah, the inflation was unbelievable. But I'd go for the fantails, bro, and um the clouds. Oh, the the the, the red clouds. The, yeah, bro. the red clouds. Yeah. yeah. Nah, I used to have like. It depends. If if I wanted, if I had no food in my lunchbox, then my mom would give me five dollars, and I'd and I'd put like a like a crumb chicken burger thingy, and I'd get that for lunch. Bro, say what you will, the chicken burgers at schools 
are better than in real life. 100%. Oh, you know what? You can, I've mentioned him before. He's a goat. He's one of the greatest people to ever live. Lance, Lance Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah. Ask him. We used to go, we used to write down on like, so the way it worked is you get your paper bag, you write down your order, you put it in the slot of the canteen door, then you come and pick it up for lunch, right? And you got your money in the bag. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, we used to get, there, there were extras you could add on. Okay. So we would get like, we would choose like a hamburger bun or like uh -huh. a like sliced bread and then the crumb chicken, but we'd put like extras, shredded beef, cheese, lettuce, and tomato. Every time they used to say, you can't do that. This is the last time we're doing this for you. But we kept doing it and they'd keep giving it to us. Yeah, those lunch ladies are too nice to say no. Yeah, they can't say no. But it's, listen, it's... At, at our school, the currency was oak milk, the chocolate oaks. That's the currency. Yeah, yeah. As in, if you wanted someone to do something for you, you just had to give them a chocolate oak <laughs> and that was, you were set. Well, for me, it was more like there was one rich guy in my grade. Mm -hmm. By rich, I mean, he would used to bring like, he used to have like upwards of... $15 per day for the canteen and he used to say if you come with me to the canteen I'll buy you something and I would just drop everything and just go because I'm going to get me a wicked fizz if I want a wicked fizz that's you know it what I mean? yeah 100% so that was because it's just I don't know why it used to be so scary and embarrassing to walk by yourself and line up so yeah you always had to bring a partner you always needed <laughs> a mate and that mate was expected to get something for exactly it's yeah. it's we're, we've we've been we've been trading since we were young. I mean, we, we it's just it's all it's all business, isn't it? See, that's the thing. It all starts off in the primary school days, and then it moves up. So back on it, you uh, you start trading fake money. In oh school. well, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I started on the ASX game. Like it gives you like virtual fifty k, but it's good to get a get a feel, get an idea of how it yeah. works. Um, and from then on, I just continued playing it. The, my first, that's the first year I played, I was just trialing. I think you, I started with 50K, I ended on 30K. So I lost 20 grand in like two months, like virtually. So it's pretty shocking performance. But then um, my commerce teacher at the time, Mr. Hall, legend, um, he used to sit me, like he used to keep me back after class and talk me through these sites you visit, like look at, read this, read these articles, read these books, whatever, to learn. And... He told me a story, which is what, which is where my, I really wanted to, like, I was like, wow, I really want to do this. He told me a story where he was 21 um, and he had saved like a decent amount of money back then. Like as 21, he had saved like 20K. Okay. Which back then was a lot. Right now and, that's a lot. Yeah, right now it's a lot. And because um, he had worked like four years straight full time and he dropped out of school or something and Flight Center had crashed to like, a dollar something per share That's and every, yeah everyone was thought they were going into admin like they're like oh, they're gonna be they're going into bankruptcy like that's it they're finished and then he was like he done a, like a bit of digging bit of research spoke to a couple professionals and he was like like i don't think like he, he believed that they weren't gonna die and so he he put in it was a bit silly you should never put in like the majority of your life savings but he put in like 15 grand or like 20 uh, i think he put in all 20 into flight center and then Two years later, one to two years later, he sold when it was at like $42 a share. And he just went and bought like a two-story brick house. Dead. Cash. <laughs> yeah. Good on yeah. you. So he's the one that got me into it. Uh, and then with the next year, I was able to come third in the state and fifth in the country. But I don't, I, I just missed out on a prize. Like it was like, 
it was nothing like i think first first place was like seven grand second place was like five and then third place was like two but mm. i was just sure i was so cut but it, it was it was a good um good learning experience. then i started on the real thing that's what they gave you the, the bug for it yeah exactly um, and disclaimer, ladies and gents, not everyone that uh, jumps into the trading game is going to do what Mr. Hall did, um, you know. Oh, yeah, no, by all means. Please don't, don't Please take don't. your life savings. And, you know. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing you could do, man. Oh, no. Um, no. But I remember you talking to me about this back then, bro, and telling me about the game that you were playing <laughs> and how you were learning it and all that. And, um, mate, I saw the spark in your eye and it looks like it paid off. Yeah, no, definitely. It's 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 been fun. Um, I'm obviously still doing it till today. Um, I've gotten a lot of my um, friends into it. I don't like give advice. I just teach them how to look at stuff. Yep. Um, so that I've done that for for like quite a few boys, and I really enjoy doing it as well. And, and you've done that for me. I can definitely say you know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just fun, and a lot of people think it's this big, scary like big institution going to take your money it's at the end of the day you find that you find like something that you think can do well and you think has a decent future outlook and then from then on it's just a patience game yeah I, I remember talking to my dad about it when i started getting into that sort of stuff and um i just told him it's a lot of study it's really like the way you explained it to me is you can't do well unless you're studying unless you're making sure you understand what's going on rather than just oh, i'm just gonna throw this there you know what i mean yeah there's there's a lot of retail investors, especially with the stimulus checks that, that started. The government just started launching at everyone last year. Um, people just started jumping on stuff and just take like literally betting on companies. I think the ATO last year reported in the second half of 2020 there was one billion total losses from new investors. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, you have to know what you're buying into before you buy into it. But yeah, it just it just takes time. It's not hard. Hmm. Well, anyway, enough with the boring stuff, mate. That's not what we've got you here for. One thing that we really wanted to discuss when uh, I invited you on, which was very last minute, by the way. So thank you for that. No, no worries. Um, Anything. One thing that we wanted to talk about, and I think a lot of people don't know, is how you became a Christian. Now, granted, you grew up in church with me and with all of our friends and family, but how'd you become a Christian? How'd you... Uh, join the faith or that sort of stuff let's get into that yeah um i know that camilla is going to get kaya me if i get this date wrong but i think it's the the 18th of august anyway i'll come back to it i'll try to remember it as i talk through it but yeah so grew up in church um always been at fbc um and i was just always surrounded by Christians went to a public primary school but I don't think that really had any effect on me it didn't phase me it didn't didn't really affect me or my brothers um why do you think that is I I don't know I actually think about that sometimes because normally when you go through the public system like we were surrounded by like you know a lot of everyone, everyone, yeah beer on public school a lot of stuff that that's different to what you're surrounded by at church hmm. um but I I'm actually kind of grateful for it because I went to a Christian high school, but then I don't, it's good that I wasn't too sheltered around the real, like the real world where, where it was just church people and then Christian people at school, then Christian people through high school. Then I get into uni and I'm like, wait, this is what the world's really like. Yeah. Like, primary gave me like a good idea from the get go 
that people are just did you have a lot of conversations with people about it whether it be your parents or your brothers or um some spiritual leaders during that time i mean you're young you're a primary school kid but you got to think there's conversations happening that are keeping you on the right path well yeah that's that's another thing that confuses me because like just going to church was enough for me to stay on the really on the okay. right path it I guess it's different for for every kid, but it's it's as if I I knew what I believed in was true, and I didn't let anyone tell me otherwise. It got to the point where in year one, I was taking like my mates aside and trying to tell them about Jesus. That's like, awesome. So I used to t- like I used to um, take a tract or whatever, mm. like a tract from church, and then I would explain it to them as like a seven year old. And then they would be like, oh, so what do I do now? And then I'll be like, oh, you have to pray. They'd be like, what do I say? I'll be like, you have to say sorry for your sins and then ask Jesus to save you. And then they'll be like, sorry for my sins, please save me. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> but then I didn't know how to explain that you have to mean it. So um, do you think that's from Sunday school and Bible club? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, when, when we were growing up, I think it was um, got to the point when I was, I was six. It was August, 18th of August. Camilla, please don't bash me if I got that wrong. 18th of August. I trust me. She doesn't watch this show, so you're fine. Oh, no, she'll watch it because I'm, I'm here. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, 2000 and, oh, 2006. Okay. I think. I think I got that wrong. Um, the year's right. The month is right, but the day is wrong. But there were a couple of us in a room. I don't There were There were quite a few of us in a room and Auntie Leon. Yeah. Um, just took each of us like she she shared the message of like obviously very simplified for us um, of salvation the reality of hell and Jesus and the eternal gift and yeah Ryan 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 actually was the first to stand up and say I got saved like I think he said like last night with my mom and dad they came and prayed with me whatever and that just like stirred the rest of us to slowly start putting oh, yeah, so it was, a, it was a ripple effect yeah it was a ripple effect so basically that ryan's awesome. like like ryan's let's see he's brought all of us he's been a he's been a um a, a pastor since young apparently but <laughs> been a um, christian for a day and he's yeah. up and witnesses to the rest yeah of the exactly right. <laughs> Who else awesome. has done that? but yeah so one by one um we just went to another room um and then we prayed with um with Auntie Leon, and then we finished, came back, and then the next person should be like, "Is there anyone else?" And then the next person will be like, "Yeah, the heads, I, heads. I want to get saved." How many of you? Oh, man, I don't remember. I think there would have been like four or five of us. You got five kids getting saved on the same night in a Bible club. Yeah, on the same oh, night. That is yeah. unbelievable. So it was, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good, and and right, I, I did definitely, even though I was six, I understood what she was telling me. And after finishing the prayer, I was like so happy. I went home. I told mom and dad I couldn't sleep because I was so excited. And the next day, I was just running up to kids saying, "Get saved now! <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's amazing. Your life will change." And I'm like, I'm six, but yeah, obviously it's not all lovely and sunny and yeah, but that, roses. But that initial, that step, initial, that is. Yeah. Awesome. Did you ever get in trouble at school for that? Being at a public school? Well, on Wednesday, fortnightly, we used to have religion day or something. Yep. Yep. Where there would be like a Catholic, uh, like a Catholic lady that would come in and then Muslim and a non-religious would just go read books in the library. 
and I don't know, Buddhist and a couple of yeah. others. And then each kid would just go to a different room, whichever they believed in. I was in the Catholic one because they didn't have like uh, yeah, Protestant, whatever. So and it was good. She just all she did was just read from the Bible. Mm. So that's all she did. So it was actually good. Nice. Um and I still remember her name, Mrs. Hutchinson. Very nice um lady. And yeah, she just she loved Stephen, she loved Andrew, she loved she loved me, and she taught us a lot as well. Like uh, we would always look forward to her class in school. Um, but yeah, bro, it's it's weird because I I feel like every time I mentioned I went to Birong Public, people would be like, "Oh, really?" As if you went to a public school. I'm like, oh, didn't really didn't change me. Like, no, like you said, it it's the effect on what's going on at home more than what's going on in the school. As long as the parents are following up and you've got a strong uh, Christian support system, I think that is the difference. I went to a Catholic school at that age and um, I remember I got saved at seven years old mm-hmm. and the exact same situation as you, bro. The next day I was running around telling kids, let's go get saved. Come on, we're going to do it. And um, my dad gave me tracks, gospel tracks. Mm. And so I'm this seven-year-old running around the school, handing out tracks to kids. And uh, I ended up getting into a lot of trouble for it. The school called my parents in, yeah, because it was distributing literature that you're not allowed to in a Catholic school, I guess. Um, But it shows the the change that it does have on a person, even as young as six years old. So you grow up, you've become saved. What's the, what's the following uh, few years looking like? Well, I guess from then on, it's just sanctification. And, and I think the, the, the biggest thing that I, that I notice is that, like, it's very dangerous to live a defeated Christian life. And I feel like it's so easy to go mm. your whole life, not seriously, not really acknowledging you've lived a defeated life, where, you know, you're, when you're comfortable in doing what you're doing and not doing much for God, I feel like, like Satan will leave you because he's happy with the way you're you're doing like you're you're doing things you're not making any impact you're not you know um but the second you try to do well is when he'll come and start like he'll destroy you back down to where you were so you start giving up hope Mm. and um yeah from i mean from the ages of six onwards i don't remember much i knew that i just still loved god whatever uh that was like all all the same i loved going to church um i never really during my life i've never i've always because my parents taught me since I was young, I have never like missed church for a long period of time or whatever, because I knew that even though at some point in time, I was, I would be like, well, what's the point of this? Yeah. I knew I had to be there to make sure I don't slip into that life where it's just miserable and all that. So as attractive as it looks, um, I would always just go to church, surround myself with, christians um to make sure i don't you know go off the rails as as uh, you know you see you see a lot of you see it happen all the time yeah it's a um it's definitely a chain of events that happens with a lot of different people um and it's sort of like a cycle you see it happen they get saved young once they hit the high school years they start backsliding and then after high school they come back and it's just sort of a emotions thing and i think you were right in saying that that's because they're living defeated christian lives and that comes from i think comfort i think yeah because you're so used to christianity it's just part of your life it's it's there you know it's not something that you really feel like you have to pursue as much as someone who gets saved at an older age looks at all the the sin in their life and they're thinking i don't want to go back to that 
Um, yeah. I think that's why young kids um, growing up in church experience the whole backslide phase because they think there's something else out there when there isn't. So how do you battle with that when you're in your high school years? Well, I think that knowing a lot of people who have come from that life and lived that life that that looks so appealing by the world, mm. whether it be you know clubbing, drugs, drinking, whatever, girls, lust, whatever, all that, and they've done that, they've been there, they've been at the heart of it, and seeing how passionate they are after they come out of it, I think that's just more than enough to to show that it really isn't worth it. If someone here has experienced all of that and they're so disgusted i don't get me wrong they have a powerful testimony but there's no more that there's no better or more beautiful testimony than the one like we have where we haven't sort of gone into that at all and we've been we've been you know in in church raised in church saved in church i think that's the most beautiful testimony there is um but yeah I, i feel like especially um, uh, some of the older boys that, that, that started coming to church that used to live that life, um, hearing their testimony um, and just hearing messages about how it's as appealing and like, and as good as it looks, it just isn't worth it. Um, I think that's the main thing. I also was, was always able to, or for some time during the year, keep my Bible reading consistent, praying, all that um and always talking to my youth leader being mark you know to get advice and and things like that i think those practical steps is what sets apart the biggest difference between those who backslide severely and those who do feel the pressure of the devil and the temptation of the world but are able to bounce back afterward i love what you've said there because i think it's something that's underestimated in that the the strength of your relationship with God and the strength of you not backsliding or falling into that lifestyle is literally following the fundamentals of Christianity. I mean, you named it. It was prayer, Bible reading, and talking to your spiritual leaders. They're the three massive fundamentals of being a Christian. Um, And a lot of people fall away from that because it's so easy to fall away from. It's so easy to fall out of your Bible reading. It's so easy to fall out of your prayer life. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people start looking elsewhere. So were they the were they the anchors for your high school years? Definitely. And I think the biggest one would have to be my oldest brother, Stephen. <laughs> um, yeah, he was he was really into his um, Bible through when I was throughout like throughout high school, and he was always like you know reading reading other books as well about you know like whether it be any sort of theology or mm-hmm. um and he was always able to logically explain to me like how it isn't how the life the christian life is the life to live and how everything yeah. else is just just the way of destruction i mean the bible says it like the path that seems right unto man is the way of destruction in the eyes of the lord so i think it's it's important to always make sure that you have an idea of what the lord wants to see for you um, by staying in your Bible and reading. But again, um, it's so easy to slip away from that. I know I had a period in, um, or after high school, I think I was first or second year uni, where something I never thought would happen, happened. Like as a young kid, you look at those older boys who give testimonies, and like, I would never do that, bro. Yeah. As if you went and done that, 
yeah come on bro like just don't and then you get to the age and you're like oh hold on i've done all that now exactly like, you know what i mean like yeah you got to a point where i didn't read my bible for ages and like the for the first time ever because even if i stopped reading my bible i would always pray at yeah. least before i sleep okay but it got to the point where i just stopped praying completely no right. reading no praying yeah and that went on for ages went, for, went on for a while um and then every time i try to you know resume it again i just feel like i would just get blasted like by everything just coming at me or dist- like distractions or whatever just to keep me down again but then when i acknowledge that there's a very real spiritual warfare going on um i think that that helps me to keep on going and how'd you get back into it so you you spend that long period of time not in your bible reading not in prayer what practical way or step did you take to get straight back into it so first i spoke the first thing i did was speak to my brother and mark moon mm-hmm. so my, my youth leader um and they explained to me how serious are you about it if you're serious about it like fast about it or if you're serious about it you would actually sit and let god talk to you and i think that's what it comes down to for for everyone how how serious are you about it like some people will find that Facebook or Insta or whatever is is distracting them in, in a bad way or it's too, like, you know, whatever it may be that may be tempting you or leading you to, to, to waste time or to sin. And it's like, if you're serious about it, you know, just delete it. But then don't go complaining that, oh, why do I keep doing this or that if yeah. you're not willing to take it seriously and, and cut out what it is that's doing that to you. Um, so I think that was that was the biggest thing Mark Mum explained to me. It's very practical as much as it is, um, you know, spiritual in terms of Bible reading and prayer. And um, I also I also just recently like went to my brother's house. This was like a couple of like last week, and and I've just gotten some some books to read. I don't know, you can't see because because I'm okay. I'm at the beach, but yeah. like stuff like you know, and and like yeah. I I always say oh, it's I I think it's Charles Spurgeon who said it, but you know, there are many, many good Christian books that you should visit, but ultimately live in the Bible. And and none of this is, um, none of this is obviously gospel. Um, but it should be, yeah. It's surrounding your life with it. Exactly. Yeah. So no. I, I've started reading that one um, barely. So, because um, I only got it like a couple of days ago. But yeah, I think just making yourself, making yourself sit, read, and make yourself pray and you realize um, that God never actually left you. You're the one that let go of his hand and ran away down some yeah. other path. And he okay. was, he's just there waiting for you to come back. So I think that's something that I battled with for a, a while, bro, a while. And until I realized that there's no point in me feeling sorry for me, either do something or live a defeated Christian life where you get to the point where you're like 50, 60 and you're like, what have I done for God? Nothing. And I think that's the major um, battle that every Christian face faces, you know, no matter how close you are to God and no matter how much you are in church, I think the big battle that Christians face every single day is your quiet time with the Lord prayer and your Bible reading. Um, yeah. I know for myself during this lockdown time, it hasn't been as strong as it should, as it should be. Um and I think you're right in saying that the one way to get back onto doing it, there's no trick. It's just open it up, start reading, just do it. And then it just, 
it comes it comes every single day and it's just a you're right it's a battle it's it's a tough battle but it's a necessary battle that you need to be fighting yeah definitely i i think a lot of um people i've spoken to will bring up that even myself Mm. i'll be like i know i need to sit and read but how do i sit and read if i don't want to sit and read yeah you know um but it always just comes back to just looking at yourself from like an outward perspective like what am i actually doing and every time i felt that way i go back to um i go back to ecclesiastes and i read that it mainly that i don't know why i find i find comfort in the last chapter yeah where solomon says um everything is meaningless and he's just saying how useful useless life is that we live to die nothing we do nothing there's no point in anything or what's the point of living blah, blah blah and then just in the last um the last two verses and he says like he the conclusion of the matter to live your life um and obey god and keep his commandments or something like that like mm. just obey god and live for god is basically what he says and i think that if the wisest man to live said that then i should probably listen to that so yeah i mean it's it was hard just having no desire to just sit and read but when i realize how disgusting it is to just sit and live and do nothing for god and could just be going backwards and backwards and backwards yeah it's like well it's the christian life is is by by no means an easy one no. it's a constant battle every day from as soon as you wake up um and it's a spiritual warfare you have to be aware that is real and going on every day um and you have to make sure that you're feeding the spiritual side more than you are the flesh to be able to win that battle every day yeah and i think you hit the nail on the head bro i think that is exactly it and that is the way um to live the the christian life and to fight this battle sometimes the battle um hits us physically and that's something that you and i have in common is the battle comes and hits you physically and it hit you physically a couple of years back um do you mind talking about that and explain to us how you went through that well first first up was um the first thing to happen was my mom um when she she got i think she got um breast cancer initially i forget which year 2015 um, and then shortly after I had like severe scoliosis or like, I think it might, there were the curve, basically my, my spine decided to take a detour because it thought going up straight was a bit too mainstream. So it thought, Hey, why don't I make Michael unique and different to the others and just do one of these ones. So, you know what? Hey, by the way, I'm actually supposed to be 189 centimeters tall because my spine is still 50%. They only cracked up by 50%. How tall are you now? 186. Cousin, you're tall enough as it is. 189. Yeah, I'm supposed to be. Hey, you dwarf me big time. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so my mom, my mom got diagnosed with that. Mm. But thank God, everything was successful. And I think through all of that, me and my brothers, my dad, we never got to a stage where we were like, why, why, why? Yeah, we just every night kneel down a couple of hours and pray for mom while wow. she was in hospital for a few weeks. That was it. And we were sad, but we're not like, oh God, why would you do this? Because as we know that all things work together for good um, for those who live basically like just for God. Mm-hmm. So everything's in God's like in God's hands. And once you, you know, if you acknowledge that, then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Um, and you have to just accept it. But yeah, we were able to just pray for mom every day and thank God everything was successful and she was good. 
And then shortly after, it was actually funny because I didn't notice I had scoliosis. And the way I knew was when mum was massaging me. I was like, mum, can you please massage me? And she was like, okay, Habibi, come sit. And I sat, and she started massaging me and she was like, yeah, why is your back like that? Why is it uneven? Like, no way. And it. we went, yeah, we went to the mirror and I lift up my, my shirt and I noticed for the first time that I'm tilted. I was like, oh, what? I didn't know. Yeah. That's dead set. Yeah. At that time, it was 36 degrees. But by the time I finished my waiting list, it was 58. So I was like, I'm, I was gonna be like this in like three years if I hadn't done anything, bro. But yeah, because right, I grew okay, too so quick. You, you find that out. What goes through your head? What are you thinking? Oh man, it was pretty funny. I, I feel like, I feel like that stuff doesn't. Phase Honestly, you? I wasn't worried. I was not. I wasn't worried. Like, it is. Just what was it like, is. oh well, yeah, we'll get a doctor, whatever, figure and it out. yeah, we'll figure it out. Like, oh, it's probably. Well, a brace. I thought a brace at first, but then he started laughing when I said a brace. He goes, no, this is past the threshold for surgery. I was no like, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. okay. And then, um, so I got an x-ray and then it showed the, the detour um, going straight on the roundabout. And then, um, yeah, I was on the waiting list for 12 months and then we had to take out the private health and my part of sure. So before you get to it, that 12 months, what's going through your head? How are you dealing with that waiting game? Well, because I'm in school still, except I'm in year 11, so I'm approaching yep. year 12, and I knew that my surgery was in the first term of year 12. So I was like, ah, oh, I'm probably going to not do as well as I could have in HSC, but whatever. Um, what was going through my head? I mean, like, was there any fear? Was there any doubt? Was, you know, were you questioning God at any time or were you frustrated? As much as I want to say yes, like, no, ne never, never once did I question God, especially after what I learned from with my mom mm -hmm. and just learning from other people. Mm -hmm. I was just like, God, you do whatever you want to do. Like, yeah, I, right. I'm not asking for myself to be healed, like healed, but just your will be done ultimately. And I think that's that's a mentality I took with me till surgery day. That's and um, and one thing I still remember was when one thing that that made me so much more comfortable was when you called me. Um, you called me the night before my surgery to pray for me. I uh, pray with me over the phone, and I was just, I was just so like calm after that. I was a bit nervous, but after you prayed with me, I was like, oh man, I have all these boys, and it's like I have Ray, I have all these boys, I have my church praying for me. I have God. Ultimately, I know the end game, like of of this whole yeah. life thing. So what's the, what is there to worry about? And so, um. The nurses were actually shocked that I wasn't nervous. Freaking out. Yeah. And I was completely fine. I slept so well that night. Woke up at 5 a.m. to get ready. Um, had my last normal shower. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, they, they took me in. And um, I just, I, like, while rolling on the bed going into the theater, everything, I was so calm. Like, I was mm. like, I'm chilling. I'm just actually going to have a nap right now. I'm going to wake up with metal in my back. Win-win, you know? So, yeah, my mom stayed with me through the whole thing, the cutie. But, um, yeah, when I went into the theater, the lady put the the sleep, the sleep the, the mask oh, on me for the yep. sleeping guys. You know what? They, 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 they tricked me big time because okay. the last time I got put to sleep for a surgery when I was like seven for my tonsils, I forgot what it was, they, the, the gas that they used stunk very badly. Like yep. I was going to vomit. Yep. But I passed out before I could vomit. So yep. yep. This one was just oxygen. Yeah. And they trick you with that. 
Yes. And she goes, just breathe into this. It's just to regulate your breathing. This is just oxygen. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm just breathing. No way. And so then no I noticed counting, myself nothing. doing these ones. No, no counting. I'm just doing these ones. I'll go, I lift her hand. I'll go, wait, this is an oxygen. And I just, <laughs> oh, sorry, I called her a liar. I go, this is an oxygen, you liar. And I just fell asleep. <laughs> I just conked it. Uh, um, I, ended yeah, up, I ended me. up playing games with the uh, the nurses and the doctors. I always tried to say how long I could last before I fell asleep. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, what I wanted like, to I do. Tell, I would tell them at the start, I go, listen, I want to try beat my record because I've had a couple of surgeries. I want to try beat my record this time. And they go, what's your record? I go, I don't even know. But I'm going to try beat it. <laughs> you fall asleep and you don't remember it. No, no, of course not. Yeah. So, how long is the surgery? Um... Seven hours? Eight? Seven hours. Yeah. And um, before you go in, it's really cool. Each specialist that's going to be in the room comes up to you and tells you what their role is. Yeah. So I had one guy. He had very nice eyes. Wow. He had like these light blue eyes. I don't know why I remember him. And he was like, hey, Michael, I'm the neuro. About, like, I don't know what he said. I'm the neuro something brain. Neurosurgeon? Like, no, he's not a neurosurgeon, but he deals with like neurology. Okay. Sure. And so he oh, goes, he's that guy that monitors your head while you're yes, he yes. Mon- he monitors what my brain's like yeah, my yeah, brain yeah. function is. And he goes, he goes, don't panic, but I'm gonna put a couple a couple hundreds of little tiny needles all down your legs to monitor your your nervous system's waves. Head, I go, huh? I'm like needles. And he goes, Yeah, yeah, but don't worry, they're very small. And when I take them out, it'll take one day for the markings to go. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Nice. And next lady, hey, I'm the anesthetic, whatever, this guy. And then my actual surgeon who I was seeing before. And he goes, You ready, champ? I was like, ready. And then, yeah, so they cut my back open and then they put they put like two titanium rods in, mm-hmm. and they can only correct that by 50%, 50 to 60%. And then they put screws in to hold it in place. I think three like three sets of screws um, and it just stays there indefinitely. And yeah, I gained three centimeters of height. And I, I remember that, bro. That was, bro, that was instant. Yeah, instant, instant height. We came to visit you afterwards and you stood up. Taller. I know, what is happening? Mick used to be shorter than me and yeah. three centimeter gain. People that tell you you can't grow overnight, they're lying. <laughs> you just need major back surgery. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you need. Just make sure your spine just goes like that. And then you're fine. And you sort it out. What's yeah, the recovery yeah. process? Oh, it was only like a week and a day in hospital. Um, but by then I had learned how to walk again. So I so first day I'm just lying down. Second day, I'm lying down. Third day, um, two physio nurses come in and they helped me sit up, which was a mission. Yeah, bro. as soon as I sat up, like they hold it. So one's holding this arm, one's holding this arm, and I sat up, and then I'm like breathing intensely, and my head is just spinning, and then I lie down after like five, ten seconds. Yeah. And then next day you stand up, and then you sit down, lie back down. Next day you stand up and try hold it, and then take a step or two, and then I start walking with that stroller thing. Yeah, the big, uh, the big metal thing. Yes, the walker. I think they call it a walker. Yeah, yeah, and then might not be a transformer. It's that big, bro. <laughs> it's enormous, bro. It's it's you're holding up here and you're like, like but it's for yeah, your yeah. lead on it, I guess. Yeah, and then after that, your last day, you second last day, you hold the nurse's hands, and they walk with you, which I felt like a primary school kid. And then the last, especially day, passing just... other people in the ward. Yeah, <laughs> you're a great yeah. kid looking around. <laughs> yeah, it's good, but yeah, it was. Um, I only ate a total of like one pancake that whole week. Wow. 
Yeah, I lost 10 kilos in a week, nine kilos in a week or something. But yeah, I was a stick after that. Yeah, wow, bro. So then you get out. What's it, what's it change for your life? Um, I can't arch my back anymore, which is a bit tragic. <laughs> it's just permanently straight, which I guess is good for posture. Like, if I try to arch my back, I'll try to show you. <laughs> I can only oh, roll wait. my shoulders forward. I can't. That's what you can. You're kidding. I, yeah, I can't. I can't arch my back at all. That's full on. Yeah, it's. But I feel the metal. The metal is fused in my spine now. They put like a dead person's bone graft. Oh, really? In my back. And then because my body rec- recognizes that it's undergrown, it stimulates it intensely to catch up with all my other bones. And then it grows over the metal and my spine. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. That's full so, on. Yeah. Now it's a part of me. I have a very thick spine, it feels like. Um, but yeah, bro. Like, And shortly after, Andrew got it. And he yeah, had surgery. Bro, <laughs> bro I could not Thanks, believe man. what happened to your family in that short period of time. It's funny. That was yeah, funny. It, was, it was interesting. But you look, yeah. back at, you look back at that now. That's how many years? Three, four years now? What has it done for you mentally and spiritually? Spiritually, it's it's made me realize that we only have the um, the the driver's seat view um, on life and whatever's currently going on. You don't see what's around the next turn you're about to take. You don't know what's behind the street you're about to turn into. You don't know, you know, if mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So you only have a very like couple of meters in front of you view. Um, and it's important to recognize that God is the one with that bird's eye view, the helicopter view, where as long as you're, um, you know, walking with him right and you're listening to his directions, he's going to direct you in a path where you take the right turns. And while you do go through hard times, when you come out of the back of it, you will look back and realize, oh, I only saw like a portion of the picture, but with the big picture, it all makes so much sense. And I'm actually happy. Yeah. Um, that that happened to me and it's it's really important um to realize that you know you you don't know what's around the corner but god does and everything's so much clearer in hindsight obviously i mean i can look at i'm sure you can as well so yeah. many so many times where you're like why is this happening why is this happening to me why is this happening to me and afterwards you're like oh thank you so much god that that happened to me yeah you know so yeah, I, I always say I, I wouldn't take back the last couple of years if God gave me the chance to. The amount you learn through that process um, is full on. And um, I can just say from experience, I mean, I know it had a massive effect on you um, and it gave you a, a lot of empathy because you called me at every single surgery. You called me every single time I was back in hospital and we talked through it. Um and I think that's the major factor of going through something like that is God allows you to be an example to someone else or allows you to um, help them through that. Yeah, definitely. And just knowing that all the, um, like all the church were praying for me, mm-hmm. I think I felt it. I did feel it um, because I even asked myself, well, why am I nervous? I was like, oh, I'm on the prayers list. Like, I probably have like a couple of people praying for me. That's why I'm just chilling. But yeah, it was, um, it's good. And when you when you see how how it all works, you realize how real God is. And it's it's just weird because as much as you know He's real, there's always like in the back of your mind where you don't want to, you don't take it seriously because you're obviously not seeing, yeah, and yeah. you grew up with it. 
but when you have certain experiences in your life and you look back and you're like there's no other explanation but god it just makes you like it just solidifies your foundation and makes you realize that i don't want to live this life if it isn't for god yeah 100 percent um we do this thing where i tell every guest to take a delorean 10 years back in time and tell younger them something but i want to do it a little bit differently with you i take you to the very to the time you're about to have surgery i take you back there if you could tell michael then one thing what are you telling him oh that's a big question you know if i could tell surgery michael one thing oh I just feel like it would just come back to something like that. I just feel like it would come back to my life. Just, I would just tell surgery, Michael, live your life fully for God because the world will pass away one day. We know what happens at the end. Mm. We know who wins. We know who loses. Sin lasts a season. This is more than one thing. I'm going on to 10 things now. Hey, telling Michael. Tell him whatever you need to tell him. You've got um, about five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Look, sin lasts a season, we're all aware. And and as attractive as it may seem on the outward appearance, once you've actually had a taste of it, um, that's when the regret settles in. So mm. ultimately, live your life fearing God, I think is the biggest thing. You have to fear God to understand. And I don't mean like obviously be scared, like shiver me timbers, God's going to slap me <laughs> out. But I mean, like have that respect where, or that, that sense of authority where, this is a deity above me, much above, much above all that I could imagine, mm. much above any sort of principle or authority on this earth. And I need to take his commandments very seriously. Like if you're too scared to commit an, uh, an offense against the, like a civil offense or speeding, whatever, against the government, run a red light on a, with a camera, how much more serious should you take God himself's commandments? Yeah. So ultimately live your life. Um, looking towards God, and you—I feel like you'll just have—you have no regret. What regret will there be if you if you live your life um, for God? Other than I could have done more, you know. Mm. Not I wish I did something. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it really—it's—it's it's as simple as that. And as much as we hear it, it's as simple as that. I love that, bro. And um, mate, I feel like we just scratched the surface with you. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna get you back on this thing uh, later down the line. Thank you so much for everything um, you shared with us, bro. That was awesome. No worries. Thanks for having me again, Ray. Um, nah. And if you want, um, if you want to come down at all, the weather's nice today, actually. Yeah. So you keep um, telling me that, bro, but you never send me the address. Well, that's because I don't even know where I am. Fair enough. I thought you were two hours away from Sydney or something like that. Yeah, I'm two hours away from Sydney, but I don't know if it's north or south. I just drove. Oh, you just drove. I just drove and I ended up here, but um, yeah. Send me a send me a pin drop then. Oh yeah, yeah. Send me a pin drop. You should have asked me that. I, bro, you're you're there. Oh, true. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll send you a pin drop. Okay. Um, but I might have to to go soon because I think my car is about to run out of run out of the battery. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, Mick, thank you so much for joining us, bro. Um, where can the people find you online? Uh 
Um, do I plug my LinkedIn again? Yeah, plug it, bro. Believe it or not, LinkedIn has a massive reach on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have Insta. You can, you can, you know what? Come and see me and shake my hand at Faith Baptist Church Regents Park. I love that. I'm putting that in the in the Sunday. I'm putting 10, that 45. in the Done. Yes. Mickey, thanks again, bro. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thanks, ladies and gents. We'll talk soon.